Road to Life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the Word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit RoadToLifeChurch.com, and we'll see you next week. Um, in just a moment, I'm going to have Micah and Grace come up. But before I do, um, how many of you know Micah and Grace are planting a church in Phoenix? How many of you know Phoenix this time of the year is a good place to go? Not May, June, July, August, or September. How many of you know what I'm saying? But anyway, super good to have everybody. I want to, um, you know, when you think about this and you think about us as Christians, um, you know, and you, and you talk about our relationship with God, um, you know, what, it, what kind of goals do you have in your life? If I were to ask you, hey, what are your goals as a Christian, you know, in your life? I think that, and I'm just going to be very generic, but I think probably most of us would say, oh, I want to know God closer. Can we all agree with that? You know, maybe, maybe you're here and you'd say, oh, you know, I want to have a, maybe a deeper and a more sensitive walk with the Lord and his presence in my life, sensing him in, in my everyday life. I think that, I think all of us would, would agree to that. Um, you know, maybe another one is, is you, you'd sit here and you'd say, oh, I want to go to heaven. That's a pretty good one. How many of you know what I'm saying? Well, I'm glad six of us want to go. That's pretty shaky right there. Online, you can go ahead and help them, and you can talk back as well. Um, how many of you want to go to heaven? How many of you think it's a little bit better than down here? How many, Paul, the apostle Paul said, it is far better than down here. He said far, far better than down here. I think maybe another, is it, we would stop and say, well, I want to experience the favor and the blessing of God on my life in every area of my life that he's promised. Can we all agree on that? But I want to maybe um, throw a thought out, and that is this. What about God's goals? How many of you believe God has goals? When you think about, you know, we have goals, but what about God's goals? I believe for our personal life, he would reflect probably all of those. Yes, I want you to know me. Yes, I want you to have your, my favor over your life. Yes, I want you to go to heaven. Yes, I want all. I think that he, all of us would look and I think that we could say, oh yeah, God wants his favor and his blessing on my life. All of us, I believe all of that. But I want to read probably the most famous scripture, if not in the Bible, in the New Testament. And it's in John 3.16. It says, for this is how we know, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone, everybody say everyone. Let me ask you a quick question. How many of you have people in your life and you're like, oh, I just don't think they're ever going to make it? How many of you know what I'm saying? They're, okay, some of you lifted your hand. Okay. It's really important, though, if you lift your hand at that question that you don't look at the person next to you. How many of you? It's, but, you know, we're, but look at what it says. He said, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, I want to just stop our finite mind when we use, when someone says to you, oh, this person perished, we think of natural death, do we not? Oh, they perished, we think of, but do you know that when you look up that word in the original language, in the, in the Greek, the word perish there means to, de to devote or give over to eternal misery in hell. 
It means to perish, to be lost, to be ruined and destroyed forever. That's what it means. And I know that as I stand up here, we don't like to talk about hell. Are you with me? I think it's interesting. They say that more than 50% of Christians today no longer believe in hell. And I think to myself, what Bible are they reading? Because we just read right there. But God sent Jesus to give all humanity a choice. That's why Jesus came. It's not just a Sunday morning experience, but notice what it said so that everyone who believes in him would not perish. Or we could say, and notice the statement, and he includes everyone. And I want to just encourage us is this, is God doesn't send anyone to hell. I'm going to say that again. God doesn't send anyone to hell. We get a choice. Every one of us, our will. Jesus made a way so that nobody could, should go there. God sent Jesus so that everyone could believe in his sacrifice. And the word believe there means to trust, to rely, and to cling on. When you use the word once again in the, in the English language, believe, we just think mentally ascend. We just think, oh yeah, you know, oh, I agree with that. But in the Bible, the word believe, when you look at it, it means to trust, to rely, and to cling on him. So, he, so Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that everyone who learns to trust, to rely, and to cling on him would not perish, but they would be reunited with God. Their sins would be forgiven, and they would go to heaven when they leave here. They would have eternal life. Eternal life is not something that starts when you die. It starts the moment you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Look at what it says in verse 17. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. Now look at this but to save the world through him. You know, this week, um, some of how many of you know TK? TK, are you in here? It's TK. TK is from Nigeria. And this week, TK called me and he said, he, I'm not going to try because I can't do it justice, but he has a Nigerian accent. And um, he said, I would like to come and help. So I said, okay, TK, come on up. TK is from Nigeria. And TK came and we were outside for about 30 minutes this week. And TK looked at me and he said this, Pastor Mike, I must go inside. <laughs> he said, can I go inside for a few minutes? And I went inside and he said, I cannot feel my hands. <laughs> now, no, realize this, we were chatting and we both came to the conclusion that if you stayed outside, in our current state, now I'm not going to get into clothing and all of that, you would die. How many of you know what I'm saying? We both came to the conclusion that neither one of us would make it long-term outside in our current state. See, that is how God is. He, humanity is on a course, and God sent Jesus to pay for our mistakes, to bring us back to God, and in essence, say, come out of the cold come out of the cold. But he lets us make our choice. He lets each and every, each and every one of us. John 3, 16, you know, you think about it. God's plan is yes for us. 
His plan is, yes, he wants to bless us. Yes, God wants us in heaven. Yes, he wants to be in our everyday life. Yes, he wants us to sense his favor. Yes, he wants us to know that he's there in us every single day. But equally part of his plan is God doesn't just love us. He loves the world. He loves every human being on the face of the earth. He loves the world. You know, you think about it, is Jesus came, yes, and in America we think just us, but I want to tell you something just as real as Jesus came for me. He came for that person that maybe I question would ever make it. Jesus came for that person. He came for that person, those people that I don't even know about. You know, some of Jesus' last words after his resurrection, and I want to read them. In Matthew or Mark 16, 15 and 16, it says this. So Jesus has, he, Jesus has come, he's been crucified, he's been buried, and he's come back to life. And he appears to the disciples and he said this in verse 15. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. The, the King James or other translations say the gospel, which means the good news of salvation that is now available. And it's not your works that do it. Now look at what he said in verse 16. Anyone who believes, that word believe is once again to trust to rely and to cling on him. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And that's back to John 3, 16 in Acts chapter one. And I wanna read verse eight and nine. And this is one of the last times Jesus appears to the disciples and he said this, and he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Sometimes as spirit-filled believers, when we think of power, we only think of the miraculous. That is part of it. The gifts of the spirit, that is part of it. But look at what that power is for. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. The power of God is on our life to be a witness to a world that is outside in the cold. They're going to die. They're not going to make it. And the power of God is on us because Jesus is moved with compassion toward them. He's moved just as much as he was moved in compassion toward me. He's moved in compassion toward them. And his plan is that I would be a witness. His plan is that I would be able to stand, stand up and say, God, I believe in your kingdom. I believe in your grace. I believe in your love. I believe in your forgiveness. I believe in your transformative ability so much that I'm going to be sensitive to those that are around me and simply say, God, you are good all of the time. Come out of the cold. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you know what I'm saying? You know, you, verse 9 says, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. How many of you know that'd be like, a, okay, we got to do this. You know what I'm saying? We got, we got, we got to do this. Now I'm just going to have an honest moment with you. Can I have an honest moment with you? I failed that. About three weeks ago, I was, um, and I had to repent. 
but I was around, I was busy. How many of you know what I mean when I say busy? I was busy. I had more to do in a day than I could possibly get done. So I was busy. And I ran into this person that was, a, they were working, didn't know him. They didn't know I'm a pastor. It's always better when people don't know you're a pastor, just in case you didn't know that. Because the moment they find out you're a pastor, they get sanctified. How many of you know what I'm saying? And their old religion creeps up. Blesseth the Lord, oh my soul. I'm like, you don't talk like that. How many of you, you know, <laughs> so this, but this guy didn't know I was a pastor. And I just said to him, how are you doing today? How's it going? And he said, it's going rough. It's going tough. I said, oh, I'm sorry. And then he proceeded to explain to me that his mother had passed away a year ago. And she was the glue of the family. She was really the one that kind of held the family together. And so whenever he went through Christmas, it was hard on him. And it was a challenge for him. And as he began to share with me, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. How many of you know what I'm saying? I got to do this. And I said, I'm, and I, I was compassionate, but I didn't stop and set everything down and begin to talk to him about the goodness of God. And I left and got in my car. And as I drove away, the Lord just said to me, thanks. So he said, thanks. And I remember going, oh. Okay, God, I'm going by there later. I went by two hours later and the person was gone. So I made it my mission that week. I'm going to drive by every day until I see their car there. And I, <laughs> their car was there one day. You know what I'm saying? I pulled in. I said, hey, how's it going? He said, I'm doing okay. I began to talk with him. And it led to me just talking to him about his faith. And it wasn't just his mother. And then that day his son moved out. and Just all of this. And it led to just a God moment in his life and a God moment in my life. But I had to stop and say, Lord, I want to be involved in what you're doing. And let me just be super clear about this. This is not legalism. This is not you got to do, you must do, whatever, whatever. It's me having a heart that says, I love people. I care about people. And I believe the Bible. And I believe what it says. See, you and I are ambassadors. We're representatives. We are God's street sign to a world that's getting ready to go off a bridge over a cliff. We are the street signs. Every day, God says, you're a street sign. And I'm reminded of a story in the Old Testament about David, and he's leading God's people. And I want to just give you a little bit of background about David. Prior to David, there was King Saul. King Saul was wicked, influenced by the demonic. He was not a person after God's own heart. But when David came on the scene, David's life, God used him to return an entire nation to a relationship with God in a way that had never been experienced before in their lifetime. And David, in 1 Chronicles 29, is coming to the end of his life. And he knows it. He's coming to the end of his life. And if you read the story, what you find out is that God had a plan 
David had accomplished a lot, but God had a plan for his son named Solomon and that his son was soon to become the king and David knew it. And so what David did is he realized, is he felt the moment of what God was doing. God had used David to build something, to bring something into Israel, but he recognized that God was using Solomon to build something, to bring something that is, was maybe different than what David had ever done. And that if you remember the story, what had happened is, is that God had, um, David wanted to build God a temple, but God said, no, that's not going to be for you. That's going to be for your son after you. And as soon as David heard those words, he began to stop and say, okay, I realize what I'm called to do, and I realize what Solomon is called to do, and I'm good in my lane of what God's called to do, what God has called me to do, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to plan, I'm going to prepare, so that when Solomon does what God has called him to do, he has an abundant provision to do what God has called him to do. And what happened is, is David then, in First Chronicles 29, where comes around to it is David realizes what is going on. He's coming to the end of his life and he, he calls all of the people of God together and he challenges them in regard to this thing that God is doing. And I want to just read it in 1 Chronicles 29 verse 11 through verse 18. It says this, David, he's, this is a prayer. He said, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty, for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is a kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor, they come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your, in your hand is to, is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and we, we praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to do, to do thus offer willingly? For all these things come from you and are your, and are your own have, have we given to you. What I want you to notice is this. David is recognizing and he's saying, okay, God, we're all in on what you're doing. We're going to give toward that. And David's cry out prayer is he's basically declaring this and he's saying, God, everything we've got is yours. Everything has come from you. You are above everything. You are the one that is great. Look at what he said. Verse, he said, for all things come from you and of your own have we given to you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. O oh Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people 
who are present here offering freely and joyously. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our Father, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in our hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. Do you know that that day, if you look it up, what you find out is David stood up and he said in front of the people, he said, I'm going to give, I think it was like 110 or 120 tons of gold. How many of you got a mathematical brain? I got a math. I thought, how much is that? I looked it up. Almost 7 billion is what David gave toward what Solomon. He challenged the people. And then the people gave another 10 billion in just gold, not including silver, stones, all of the other stuff, which probably was equivalent to all that. Now I want to say this. We're getting ready to plant a church in Phoenix for the sole purpose of fulfilling the dreams of God in Phoenix. I'm going to say that again. I want to fulfill the dreams of God in Phoenix. One of you likes it. I said, online, you've got to help me. I said, I want to fulfill the dreams of God in Phoenix. I want to get to heaven. Let me just tell you something. God so loved the world that he gave the most valuable thing he has, Jesus. He's saying to us, do you care about the world like I do? You know, today, the craziness of all of the political stuff, all of the unjust stuff, all of that. Okay, it's all real, but the only one that can change the heart of a person is God. It isn't our combating. It isn't our, it's us saying, God, use me to bring about change to this world. And, you know, you think about it. As Jesus has called us to plant a church to take people from perishing to eternal life. Man, I like that. I like that. And what I would like to do is I want to call Micah and Grace and Jill to come up here. They have been in Phoenix spying out the land. How many of you like spies? How many of you like a spy novel? How many of you know what I'm saying? Just as long as people don't get taken out. How many of you know what I'm saying? But they have been spying out the land. And what I want, I want Micah to do is to just simply come up and share with us kind of what God has breathed, what God is saying, mission, vision, values, all of this. So we as a church can be like David and stop and say, God, you're blowing, you're building, you're moving in this direction. And then afterwards, Grace is going to kind of give us some, give us some nuts and bolts. But go ahead, Micah. Um, 
you know, like, like uh, Pastor Mike's been talking about, we've been out in Phoenix really for four months and committed to really coming back and forth because this is our sending church. This is our family that's allowing us to even be able to do this. And, uh, you know, before we, I jump right into the vision, mission, values, a, a few weeks ago, I was, uh, we were out to lunch and I was waiting in line. And if you don't know this, is typically warmer climates have a higher homeless population. And specifically in Phoenix, there's a incredibly high homeless uh, population, so much so that like you, you notice it very early on when you're there. And I remember I was in a particular um, burger joint in and out. Um, I was in a particular burger joint and I remember as I was in there, I'm standing in line to order my food and there's a homeless man next to me that's very evident. Um, he's super dirty, clothes are tattered. And I remember I looked at him, he looked at me and he locked eyes and immediately says, how are you doing? And he, he's got no teeth and he kind of doesn't smell the best. He looks at me, he says, how are you doing? And I remember in that moment, I'm like, okay. I'm like, good. How, how are you? He said, I'm good at getting my milkshake today. I said, oh, cool. I said, I'm like, okay, we're going for this. I said, uh, you get a milkshake every day? He goes, yeah, this is kind of what we, me and my dad try to do is we're both homeless. So we try to get as much money as we can to both get a milkshake a day. And I said, oh, okay. I said, you said you live with your dad. Yeah, I uh, actually was a butcher on the East Coast. And <clears throat> before COVID, my dad had a place out here. He told me he wanted me to come out and we and uh, be a butcher out here. And we lived together and everything. So I moved out here. And then COVID happened and I lost my, my butcher spot. And then my dad lost his job. And he'd been on the street before. And so now we've been on the street for uh, over six months. And I remember looking at him and I'm like, and, and, and what's funny is, is, you know, what's crazy is I think that in our society today, we're all about like dehumanizing people. So we can, as long as there's a distance, we necessarily don't possess, and this isn't the church in Jesus name, but sometimes we don't possess empathy towards people. But essentially this guy looks at me and he goes, you know, I'm getting my milkshake, had a rough go. Me and my dad are trying to get a job. And I remember I looked at him. I said, hey, man, I, I love the Lord. And I think there's a reason I met you. Can I pray for you? And I remember I, 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 he said, yeah, you can pray that, you know, I find a job and hopefully we can get on our feet and I can get off the street. So I remember praying for him. And when I prayed for him, afterwards, he sticks his hand out to shake my hand. His hand is black. He's got no teeth, dirty clothes, looks every bit of homeless, can smell him. I remember I shake his hand and then he comes in for the hug and I give him a hug. And I remember walking away and I said, and I felt like the Lord told me, he said, Micah, that's why you're here. That's why you're here. Because I, I think a lot of the times we, we love the, the clean, the polished and, and the varnished version of church. But truly, I believe what's going to change the world is when the church maybe gets away from some of those things and recognizes that there's a lost, a hurting and a broken world that we're made to interact with. Mm -hmm. And so truly what our goal is within Fixate is, and, and I wanted to just for a couple moments share vision, mission, and, and some of our, our, our plan, but our vision is to restore the gaze of humanity back to its creator. And, you know, in that moment, I, I was thinking about that as I was preparing and praying for today, is that in that moment, that homeless man's eyes were turned from me to God. They were turned to, oh, wow, God saw me today. And, and I think a lot of the times that the problem with, with relationship in today's world is that so often we get our eyes away from God and wonder why we can't see Him. And so the goal of, of Fixate is to restore the gaze of humanity back to its creator, back to the person who cares, back to the person 
who loves, back to the person who wants a relationship, back to the person who has the best intentions in mind, back to the person who loves unconditionally, back to the person who's the greatest choice you can ever perceive. Mm -hmm. But even within that, to unpack that even further, some of our values is really to develop depth unto discipline, unto sacrifice, unto sustainability. So creating an atmosphere of depth where we go deeper and develop daily disciplines that ultimately allow us to sacrifice. Because I'm going to say this in the church today, is I believe that the reason sometimes we fall away from God is because we're, we're, we're sacrificing with no depth and no discipline that can form the posture to carry the weight. And what I mean by that is I think so often we get away from the fact that the only way we can produce fruit is with roots. Mm-hmm. And so depth, creating roots, discipline, growing the tree, and then the fruit of sacrifice is truly, that's Jesus's life. When we look at who he was, yes, his ministry was incredible, but the greatest act that he's remembered for is his sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, I believe in this day and age, Christians who are sustainable day in, day out, in every season, in every situation, and in every circumstance, that is a witness and a testament to the goodness of God. Because in this upside-down, topsy-turvy world, no offense, I'm, I'm going to get real uh, nitty-gritty with you guys for a second. I felt like early on, when we went through some of our house selling and, and buying a house down there and kind of moving, I, I literally, and I don't, I don't even think my dad knows this, I was going to talk to him about it, but I felt like the Lord said to me, he said, Micah, I'm not going to let you get ahead of me. He said, You're, I'm gonna, my favor's going to be on you. I'm going to bless you. But I'm only going to give you enough to get a little bit ahead, but you're going to have to rely on me every step of the way. And, and, and a lot of this, I feel like a lot of our journey is a journey of realizing that we're never alone. There is an interdependent and reliance that our soul needs to survive. And so that's truly what we want to create is this, this community around depth, around disciplines, around sacrifice, around sustainability, a community that restores the gaze of humanity, the eyes of our world back to Jesus. And, and I'm just going to say this, as I've been there now for four months, and I know my wife can attest, right, statistically, right, one of the youngest cities in America, average age is 33, over 300,000 just college students. In the metro area, there's 1.6 million people. In the greater Phoenix area, which is all the towns surrounding, is 4.3 million. I mean, we're not just believing for God to just touch Phoenix Metro, but we're believing for God to touch Scottsdale, for God to touch Mesa, for God to touch Tempe, for God to touch Glendale, for God to touch Avondale, for God to touch Peoria, for God to touch Sun City. And I can keep going. What I'm saying is, is I think a lot of us, when we, we ask the question like, God, will you do something with my life that can change the world? We're, we're in this opportunity all together to see God actually do that. Is that through the willingness and the sacrifice of, of the few that are in this room in comparison to the population of Phoenix that we would see a breakthrough that truly changes the course of the city. And what I'm saying today is this, is thank you for even listening, but more than anything, for partnering with us because everything that this house is has allowed us to become the people that we are. So with that, Grace is just going to give a couple practicals right now about where we're at. 
Yes, that's so good. Um, Just to tie what Pastor Mike was saying and Micah together, I just want to give everybody a few practical points on how we can partner together um, while we plant this church in Phoenix. So I'm going to focus on three points. They're actually going to be on the screen, so you can read along with me. The first way that we want you to partner with us and the most important way is through prayer. Um, We have three specific prayer points. So we're praying for a strategic first location downtown um, on certain streets. We have certain streets if you want to know them to know what streets to exactly pray for, come up to us after and we can tell you. But so we're praying for a strategic first location, long-term committed team members, favor and open doors. So those are the first three things that we're just really believing God for in this season. The second way you can partner with us is through finances. So some of you know, maybe you don't know, um, we are we have a goal of raising $295,000. And this can be done in person today. It can be done on the Road to Life Church app or the website. And then also in the back of your seats, there is a pledge card. And so that can be filled out. And if you're online, um, we want you to partner with us as well. So there's a pledge card link that will be in the comments for you probably right now. And then Pastor Mike's going to hit on that again at the end. And then the last way we want for you to partner with us is for signing up for our newsletter. This is going to be ran through the launch of um, the church in September. And this is at no cost to you, no no thinking done on your part. This is just Micah and I every month sending an update of details and updates and testimonies of what the Lord is doing. So you can sign up for that by texting FIXATE to 269-924-0909 or go to roadslifechurch.com slash FIXATEPHOENIX. And then Pastor Rick, Pastor Jill. <laughs> I wanna, um, Jill's going to come up and we're going to, did we turn me off? There we go. Thank you, guys. I want to pray, but I want to, um, we actually, we're going to pray. You know, you think about it. And you think about what's important to us. I think all of us have values. We can all agree on that. But when our heart matches God's values, we experience him in a way that is deeper and that is stronger. I remember Micah saying to me, for you that don't know our story, Jill and I's story, is um, I've I've been a pastor for over 30 years, but I was always... um, My dad was in business my entire life. I was born into being in business, entrepreneurial. That was just the way that I thought. I just thought, oh, that's what you do. I mean, our our whole married life. And there came a season when I kind of was coming up into 40. I looked at my wife and I said, I feel like God's getting ready to do something because life's too easy. She looked at me and said, Basically, what in the heck does that mean? How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you wives, your husbands? Like, and she knows I'm willing to take a risk. Um, and through the next couple of years, God directed us, didn't fully understand, to liquidate. Um, in Southern California, we were very comfortable. Life was very predictable. It was very easy for us. But to liquidate... 
And through the course of time, he, he revealed that we were to move to southwestern Michigan from San Diego. How many of you would be obedient? I just want to see your hand. <laughs> okay, look, okay, I'm shifting right now. We're going to go, we're going to talk about obedience. <laughs> Farthest north I had ever lived was Oklahoma, and that was college. I thought Oklahoma was cold. I came here and I'm like, what in the flip is going on? She said, I told you. But we said, Lord, you're first. You will always be first. And we're willing to risk everything and slide it all into the center of the table and say, God, we bet on you. And we moved here. And we've been here now for 20 years. Now, I consider myself a Michigander. How many of you are with me on that? Micah came to me and he said, I feel like God is saying, You've never risked it all. I want you to risk it all. And they're risking it all to follow the Lord. I believe that each and every one of us have a part in winning the city of Phoenix to Jesus. The city of Phoenix is in the top five largest cities in the U.S., Realize this, there will be a day that either you go visit Phoenix and you see people that came to Jesus in a real way. Or if you never visit, you will go to heaven and Jesus will say to you, I want you to see some people that I used your seed to win and to bring into my kingdom. I not only want you to meet them, but I want you to meet them. I want you to meet their children. I want you to meet their grandchildren. And I want you to see what has happened through that. I believe that God is calling us as a church to partner. We're going to go back into worship. But what I want you to do is, is some of you, and I realize that, you know, maybe you're here and you don't even know about this. I, I'm a, I understand that. But there's a card in the seat in front of you, and it just says Fixate Phoenix. It has the prayer points on the back. But if you came in, you knew. You say, I know what God wants me to do, and I want to partner with that. It's a pledge card. And you just simply put, okay, I'm going to give, you know, X amount, and you you put your name in there, and then you say, oh, is it a one-time thing, or uh, maybe you say, oh, you know, kind of, I'm waiting for my taxes to come back, or I'm waiting for this, or I'm waiting for that, and then um, what we ask is, is that the goal is everything comes in by May 1st, but you can just fill it out, and you can take it with you. If you don't know what that is, that's perfectly fine, but the goal is the Lord to speak to you, and then you'd fill it out and bring it back, but we're going to go back into worship And as we go back into worship, you can, as you feel led, if you already know, there are going to be some uh, buckets here, there's buckets in the back, there's buckets in the balcony, but you can just fill it out and you can just drop it in. It's between you and the Lord. And I would encourage you, you say, I'm just going to fold it over because I don't want nobody looking at mine. How many of you know what I'm saying? That's okay. But what I want you to do is to say, it's not about equal gifts, It's about equal sacrifice in our life. How many of you know what I'm saying? Where we say, yes, God, I'm all in. And I want Jill to come up. Baby. It's an opportunity for us. So let's pray together. If we could pray together and agree over these 
um, prayer points with uh, Micah and Grace. God, we just thank you. We thank you, God, that you've raised up our church and raised up Micah and Grace to preach the gospel, Lord, to share Jesus, that people will turn their eyes to you. And God, we're asking that you would use them mightily. We're asking God for that strategic first location. We know they yes. have things in mind right now. We're asking for favor for them, open doors for them in the name of Jesus. We pray for wisdom for them, God. We thank you, Lord, um, for long-term committed team members, God. We thank you, Lord, for um, causing people to come alongside them, to pray for them, yes. to serve you together with them, God. God, to build a great church, God, that right. ministers to people, That's that right. causes people to come in out of darkness, into your light, into the knowledge of you, God, to into your blessings, into your life, into your goodness, into your love and healing for them, God. And we thank you, God, that you can use all of us to pray, to give, and Lord, we serve you and we love to honor you, God, and we thank you for your blessing on them and on the church, God, and on this church, God, as we continue to lift up your name, Jesus, to preach the gospel, to teach people your word, God, to help people, and we praise you and we thank you, God. I pray your blessing on people yes. who give to this, God. I pray your blessing and increase into their lives, into their families, God, into their hearts, God. And Lord, that you will remind us to reach out around us and to share you, Jesus, and to do what we can do to build your house, to build your kingdom, to build your church. And God, I thank you for every person here. In Jesus' name, bless them. Amen. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet if you would. As we go back into worship, I want to just pray the presence of God over you. And equally, you say, oh, I, I know you can fill this out. There's buckets here. There's buckets in the back. There's buckets in the balcony. We're not done. We're going to be done in a few minutes. But I want to encourage you in regard to this. God's got something planned. How many of you like to be in on his plan? I like to be. Lord, we honor you. We bless you. Lord, we thank you for everyone equally right now that is watching online. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity for them to just as though they were present to be able to see and click that and be able to partner with what you're doing. Lord, we honor you. We bless you. And we believe in your work in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.